Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever in the world you are. I hope this podcast finds you happy and healthy. Welcome to episode 8 of Stemming from Africa. My name is Cynthia Waleola. So straight on to this week's highlights. I had a really good week. On Tuesday, I got to attend an event for podcasters called Podex by Semabox. Semabox is a podcast incubator and they host a number of podcasts, Kenyan podcasts, and it was just really interesting to meet other people in the community with a passion for the same thing I have a passion for a bit different topics. I really, really enjoyed it. I got to meet Adele Onyango and I got to have a conversation with her. She's one of my biggest inspirations for podcasting. I think she's just such a genuine spirit. I love her podcast. Her podcast is Legally Clueless. And if you haven't listened to it, you're missing out. It's really good. Go listen to it. You'll really enjoy it. And in fact, over the next couple of weeks, I'll be highlighting podcasts, Kenyan podcasts, because as a love of podcasts, I think the more you listen to, the better. There's so much to learn and just so many interesting people out there. So that's something that I will be adding. My thoughts for this week. If you live in Kenya, you know that we've been having problems with the education system. And this has gotten worse over the past couple of months, and especially with COVID. We have an education system that, in my opinion, is flawed. It's very exam-centered and doesn't give enough time for students to explore other aspects, art and music, and it doesn't prioritize rest and play because for some reason we see those as a sign of laziness. The teachers are also very overworked and grossly underpaid. And so obviously you're going to have a system that just breaks down repeatedly. And over the past two years, because of COVID, it's obviously gotten worse because schools were closed for a long time. And what that resulted in is children having to cover what is about two years worth of a curriculum in something slightly more than a year. And so they're overwhelmed. They were overwhelmed prior to this, but now they are thoroughly stressed. And so the way that they're processing that is through burning schools and violence. And I think this speaks to our culture. The way that we deal with a lot of things is violence. When we had a curfew and the government was trying to enforce it, they turned to violence and actually ended up killing people and hurting people. When we have a crisis, the way we solve it is through violence. Not solve it, rather. The way we approach it. So I guess it's not surprising that the way that the Minister of Education has chosen to deal with this is to reintroduce caning in school. And I just think that we need, first of all, we just need better leaders. We need people who are able to dig deep and actually be willing to change systems and create systems that work and not just people who want to beat citizens and children into submission. We need to overhaul the system and really look at how we can improve it for this generation and future generations. Because a lot of times people say, I was bitter, but I turned out well. You didn't. You did not turn out well. You think you turned out well, but you don't process stress properly. You may be violent towards your children or those around you. You have a problem with authority 
and when you're in authority you are also a problem and so it's not just a school thing it's a systemic thing it's a country thing and i would go so far as to say it's a continental thing i think that a lot of the ways that we process things are influenced by our history and the way that a lot of colonialists ruled was through violence i'm going to say all of them so it's not a wonder that we have taken on those terrible practices and now we inflict violence on our own people because that's how we were kind of brought up and i think things need to change we just need people who listen people who do the research people who are willing to invest money in things that actually matter and just visionaries maybe get rid of these old people in power because i i don't think that they care to understand i think another thing that makes it worse is that the people who are proposing these things the children don't go to the schools where children would have to face that violence they don't they go to schools that if you so much as touch that child you probably get sued they go to schools where they have all the resources all the facilities they need so the leaders can put in these policies that don't affect them it's a very much rules for thee and not for me type of system and it's horrible i'll keep it at that for my thoughts of the week moving on to this week's podcast which features naima who is a software engineer i had a really good time speaking to her she is inspiring and brilliant she has a platform called tech talk tuesday which i actually got to be on after i interviewed her and i got to think about exploring it more and code and so after i spoke to her i've actually started coding i think i mentioned that in a previous episode so right now i'm doing web design and i will continue as far as i can get with the time that i have it's been really interesting it's been really interesting to just explore something else I hope that you enjoy listening to her as much as I did and also check out her platform and reach out to her if you need any guidance she's very willing to help in any way she can so I'll let you listen to this week's episode and see you on the other side My name is Naima I am 28 years old born and raised here in Kenya in Nairobi I am a software engineer by profession I have been working for the past 4 years I have a degree in uh, computer engineering. Um I studied in Jalalabad University in Turkey for my undergraduate and I did a major in Sapienza University of Rome in Italy. And then once I graduated I decided to come back to Kenya and I knew the tech sector was booming here and it had a future compared to European countries. So I decided to move back and I've been working here since Uh socially I'm an extrovert. I love traveling. I love fun activities. I love socializing. But generally exciting person I'd say. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. So you studied in Turkey and then in Rome. And then you yes. mentioned that the um, tech industry in Kenya was booming. What made you come to that to conclusion? Boom. Was starting to boom. What made you come to that conclusion? Yes. Um so in Europe most of the places I've been to they had already started using a lot of technological um uh advancements like for example 
credit cards were used everywhere. There were apps for everything, including ATMs and all that. And I realized, like, even a bus card, you could use your bus card and also pay for food and also use it as a taxi service. So I realized they were already advanced way before us. And I knew that Kenya and Africa in general was trying to catch up. And I thought that would be the perfect place for me to actually grow as the country's technological advancements grow with. So it was, I think it was a really smart move that I did because now that I talk to my classmates from university years later, um, most of the places I work at, they're nice, but they don't have as many opportunities compared to us simply because a lot of uh, foreign startups and investments are investing here in Kenya compared and Africa in general compared to Europe. This is because they see the future and also, of course, it's a whole more affordable labor as well. So overall, I'd say it was a, it was a good idea. Oh, thanks for that. I was actually going to ask you about um, how how job hunting has been. Um, sorry, I jumped the gun a bit. So uh-huh. what exactly does your work um, in- include as a software engineer? What do you do? Okay. Um, currently, I'm a project manager um, for a software engineering company. But previously, I was a software engineer. And then I got a promotion. So I'd, maybe I'll explain both roles and then... I'll, I'll start with the software engineering role. Um, there are many different types of software engineering careers and roles as well. So the job descriptions can vary. We can have people who are working on what you see on your laptop, for example, websites. Those people are called front-end developers. And we have people who do the back-end, and they're called back-end developers, are the people who figure out the connections and the pipelines and like the APIs. In case it gets very technical, please let me know, and I'll try to break it down as well. And then we have people who do the design part. They're called UI, UX designers. We have people who test the integrity and the quality of the solutions that are being built. Those people are called quality assurance engineers. And then we have people who, for example, uh, manage a project. Those are the project managers. Uh, What else? Uh, We have full stack engineers who do everything, both the front end, the back end, maybe even Android sometimes. We have mobile developers. They can be split into Android developers and iOS developers. So being a software engineer is a very diverse role. And most of the time, you'd have to particularly focus on one particular thing in order for you to be known for one thing, unless you're, of course, a well-seasoned software engineer who can be a full-stack developer, of course. So um, my role previously was I was a software engineer in test. That means I would do the automation aspect of the solutions. I would ensure that we run automation scripts on the systems that we build to make sure that the quality is as expected. Um, Currently, as a project manager, I manage a software engineering team. That means I work with the partners and the clients to make sure that, you know, I get the contracts and the the acceptance criteria of whatever it is they want us to work on. I break it down as much as possible. I figure out how we're going to, you know, work on it. And then once it's into bite-sized achievable tasks, I assign it to engineers. The engineers work on it. They reach out to me should they need the help. I then go through it to make sure it's proper before I actually send it over to the client. Among other things, of course, is the report aspect, the budget tracking among other things, but 
in general, that's what I currently do. The way you've described it, it sounds like I'm going through a, like a job advertisement you know how they like list down all their responsibilities and everything like ah so this is what that means okay that makes sense yeah as a young woman in tech and mm-hmm. you you've said you manage teams what are some of the challenges that you face on your day to day surprisingly i don't really have that kind of challenge as a woman in tech for example um i'm i work for a really well advanced company that you know considers gender equality and people are very respectful so i've never had any issues up until now in regards to my gender what i would say is there's just general technical problems that every software engineer faces for example sometimes you go over budget and the client doesn't expect that sometimes uh the technical work gets you know more difficult sometimes an engineer decides to leave the company and you have to replace him so it's more of general corporate issues i'd say luckily but so far i work in a company that is very very gender inclusive in fact they always even insist and they ask more women to apply they advise them to apply and then they'll give them a even better chance to make sure that they're hired first you know because they're trying to make sure that the gap is almost equal if not you know as close as they can get so luckily i'd say i have never faced any uh problems in that sector i think it's really nice that you work in a company like that but also i'm i'm discovering that there's been a, there's been steps to make stem careers more inclusive because yes. this isn't the only interview i've had like that i had an interview about 2 weeks ago with someone so by the time this airs that will have aired but that person said mm-hmm. the same thing which was like yeah i'm a woman in the industry and overall the industry is male dominated but there have been yeah there've been great strides and yep. companies are actually taking being intentional about including women so that's that's really good to hear yeah I have no idea about tech so <laughs> yeah this is really good funny, insight funny thing yeah funny thing is um i've done a few uh job interviews where we're hiring people for our company and we always give a extra chance to all the females simply because we want to make sure that they also have an equal chance at joining the company And yes, it is true. It's a male-dominated um, sector, and that's why most companies are trying to make that change. So, for example, if there's a job description and it says you have ten qualifications that you need to in order for you to apply for this job, most males will actually just apply even if they have two qualifications. But then, a girl who may have like six or even five will not apply simply because she thinks, "Oh no, I'm not." good enough or what if something happens so we're slowly trying to push that barrier and make sure that you know we encourage them to do that actually in my very interesting side hobby i run a an regular um project called tech talk tuesdays with naima and every tuesday i host uh female software engineers and we discuss different roles and different careers and we talk about just general things so that we can encourage more girls to apply into tech and they can see us and they can you know know that they're female software engineers around and it i've been doing it for the past one year and it's for the past two years actually i started last year june and i remember one time someone in my office 
heard about it and they were so impressed and they made me do a whole presentation and people were applauding and we even got people from our office to actually join the tech talks meaning that they're very very into the whole gender equality in tech yeah um i love to hear that because that's kind of the same reason i started this podcast so that just so that people can see that there are other people out there like especially girls and women um so where can we where do you run your talks and where can we find you this is the wrong place to put it but anyway no problem no problem um so it's mostly um i at first i wanted to do it on youtube but then i realized youtube needs a lot of editing setting up cameras and i wanted this to be a very fluid conversation and i realized most people use instagram so i use it on my instagram it's called uh dia and hedig i'll actually spell it out for you so it's my personal instagram and it's grown it went from like 200 followers to like 2000 in a few months and it's mostly girls who are interested in tech either they're in high school or they're in university they're just starting out their internships or they're also thinking of doing a career switch so it's mostly in my instagram um it's also posted by facebook developer circles they saw my uh, videos and they were like we're interested in this so they also live stream it when i'm doing the tech talks as well so you can also find it on facebook uh, developer circles that's so yeah. cool wow good job so given that you're you're doing what you're doing now did you have someone to look up to as you were starting out what inspired you to be a software engineer it's a good question So from a very young age, uh my older brother was also in tech, so I always had that encouragement and I'd see what he would work on and I started becoming very tech savvy at a very young age. So the interest was already there even before I went to high school and then from high school picking careers. And usually when people are, you know, selecting universities and selecting careers, most of the time people in high school don't really know what they want to do. They're like there's certain careers that are shoved down their throats like for example medicine and law and engineering and then i've realized very few people shove software engineering in their throats because it's still a new career you know and that's going to be my future role to basically <laughs> ensure that uh, we're well represented in high schools so that by the time people are applying they also know that there's something like this that you can do in the future So I always knew that I wanted to do something to do with computers but I didn't want to do computer science. I felt like computer science was too basic because I wanted an engineering degree and unfortunately at that time I don't think there were any software engineering degrees here in Kenya. And luckily um I come from a very open-minded family that encourages people to apply to universities abroad. So I used to apply for scholarships all over the countries and i ended up getting uh accepted to a university in turkey and to study computer engineering and that's how the interest became but i'd say honestly once i graduated and i got into the working sector that's when my interest peaked i think when people are in university they're just trying to make it and get good grades and most of the time that's not about the interest unfortunately but of course it's not for everyone there's some who do have the interest at a young age i'd say personally it was mostly trying to make sure i just get good grades because the 
different courses that were being taught were very generic. For example, we'd be taught all types of programming languages. So it's for you to decide which ones you're interested in and which career. And I mentioned there are very many careers previously in the software engineering uh, field. So it needs some time for you to maybe apply for different internships and figure out what interests you in order for you to continue with your next step. So I think that's what I did for myself as well. When you studied in Turkey, was it like an English degree or did you have to learn the language? Um, it was an English degree, but uh, we also had to learn the language six months prior just to make sure we could get along and like, you know, be able to survive in the city because unfortunately most of the people in Turkey don't speak English and if they do, it's very broken. So it's easier for you to just learn their language and start speaking with them. And when you're already in a country that is speaking in that language, it's easier for you to learn it and pick it up compared to someone in Kenya trying to learn French. But if they were in France, for example, it would be easy for them to speak it. So that's it. That was that, that was it, yeah. Do you still speak Turkish? Yes, fluently. Uh, just the other day, I randomly met some Turkish people at an event, and I was very excited to actually speak it. It's an easy language to learn once you have about four years' experience. That's really interesting. Before this, we had somebody who did a biochemistry degree in French, and she said the same thing, where she was like, because I studied in France and I had to learn the language, it's easier to pick it up when you're living with people who speak it. So that's exactly so it. Such a book then. Yeah, I guess we're two keys in a pod. It's always interesting to hear people. I'm not good with languages, so I love when I hear people are prospering in their languages because that is not me. I speak <laughs> six languages. What? How? <laughs> I speak six languages, yeah. What it's, languages it's, do you it's speak? Quite, well, everyone in Kenya speaks at least three, you know, their mm-hmm. mother tongue and then English and Swahili. So my mother tongue is Somali, so obviously I speak it. And then um, because I'm Muslim, you kind of learn Arabic at a very young age with madrasa and learning the Quran. So I do speak it. I would say it's not that good lately, especially now that I learned Turkish, because every time I want to speak Arabic, Turkish comes out. So I'd say I'm out of practice compared to other languages. And as I mentioned, I studied uh, in Italy for about like a few years. So I speak Italian as well, but not that well compared to my Turkish. I think Turkish stuck because I was there longer and yeah I did I mention six yeah those are six I'm very impressed (laughs) wow good thank you (laughs) because wow they say about languages that you know once you reach the third language or the fourth language the rest becomes Mm -hmm. easier because the base latin words are quite similar for example an atm Mm -hmm. in latin languages can be bancomat or bancomatic Something similar to like bank, for example, baño means bathroom. And you realize a lot of languages use that word. Pineapples, for example, it's ananas in a lot of languages and almost similar dialects, for example. So it gets easier with time, I think. You just learn the grammar and that's it. Do you have plans to learn any more languages? Because I'd just be interested to see yes. if you keep expanding. <laughs> you. I would love to learn French. I've always wanted to learn French. I think it's always been in most Kenyans at a young age. 
it's always been a fascinating language and especially when you're in primary school and you get like tips and you know bits of, of it so one language i've always wanted to learn but then i never got a chance to so i'd be interested to learn that well there is time you know time is all you have yes it's interesting listening to your story because listening to your experience it sounds like you've been working forever and then you said you're 28 and i was like you're what how yeah <laughs> so, i've been working for about four years now only <laughs> i think that your career progression has been really interesting and also just inspiring like hearing you talk about how you decided to study and then going on to pick your specific focus area and then now working as a project manager. So in all those years, what's been your most important achievement? I'd say the Tech Talk Tuesday. It was born out of a conversation I had with my boss, who's my mentor. And you know how sometimes whenever you're coming up with goals, you also have to put a social goal. And since I come from the northeastern part of Kenya, most girls don't have a lot of access to education, leave alone education in tech careers. So I've always felt like it's upon people like us to make sure we give those kind of opportunities. And whenever people see people like us, for example, I'd be inspired if I saw someone who looks like me, you know. I would feel like, wow, this is doable. And that's all I wanted to do, just to inspire people. And I'm very happy with the trajectory it's taken especially with all the Facebook developer circles and my boss and like people in my office uh, deciding to chime in and everything. It, I'd say it's one of my favorite passion projects that I've done so far. Do you have any plans to expand it? Or do you want I to do, focus I on do. a specific part of the country? So the reason, obviously um, it started from a specific part of the country, but then once I presented it to, you know, my colleagues and my friends, they realized they should also do the same, especially for people outside Nairobi. So by expanding, because of COVID, we haven't been able to do real life sessions. And that was the original plan. And that's how it became to do, uh, it became online sessions. But of course, once uh, COVID cases kind of reduced, we're planning to go to different cities outside uh, Nairobi and do weekend sessions where we basically we have some laptops that we've been uh, collecting for donations. We have some links and PDFs and like online resources, not online per se, but like downloadable resources because we realized Wi-Fi can also be a problem. And we're planning to go to high school, then we're planning to go to university. So it's going to be a really, really interesting um, next quarter, I think. That's, I'm really interested in, in seeing how that goes because I studied in Nairobi and I come from, I would say, um, I was a bit privileged to, in terms of education, but we still never had anyone like you come and talk to us about, you know, computer engineering. So it should have been really interesting to have people, or maybe I don't remember, let me not say that and then my classmates come in here attacking me. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, really, it's true. Um, it's true. I also came from a really good high school. I was from Kenya High School. And we mm -hmm. had access to a lot of mentors and people coming to talk to us. And it was mostly lawyers and motivational speakers and engineers and doctors. But we never had someone in tech. The only person I would say who inspired me from a very young age is my high school computer science teacher. She's called Mrs. Nube. It's a Zambian name. But up to now, whenever I think of like inspiring women, she's like the one person I think about, you know. So luckily, I'd say we had that as well. I'm really glad that girls in high school have you to look up to because it's, it, it's true what you're saying. A lot of times, I remember even for us, 
we used to have career days, which was, I think, first time, I'm not sure. But it, it's true, it was mostly um, lawyers, doctors, engineers, you know, the those motivational speakers. <laughs> yes, and a lot of motivational <laughs> speakers. But none yeah. of the um, quote-unquote out-of-the-box careers. It's interesting because now anything to do with technology is where to go, you know, where to go because like careers in those areas are really, really thriving and the world is really moving into you know, technology. So it's a lot of parents are now encouraging their children to do it. So it's it's quite interesting to do that. If I were a girl coming to one of your sessions and I asked you, so what do you wish you knew 15 <laughs> years ago as you were trying to figure things out? What would you tell your younger self then? Or what do you, what do you wish you knew then about your career? It's an interesting question. Personally, I feel like my path has always been a good path where it's more of self-discovery and, you know, taking the time to learn things and experience and knowing what you're interested in. So the only thing I would advise my younger self is just to be patient because sometimes you might not see where your path is, but then when you grow older, you realize there was nothing to worry about. So I'd tell my younger self, you'll figure it out, don't worry. Speaking of path, sorry to take you back. When you talked about the um, different careers, there are so many careers. I was confused. <laughs> Did you have any challenges? And then how do you go about that, given that there are so many and you don't exactly have time to, you know, try this and then jump and then try this and then jump? So um, I think, uh, well, in university um, here in Kenya, when you apply for a job, I was called to do law and I knew... I might have a good career in law because my other older brother is a lawyer as well. So I knew that was the easiest path to take if I chose that way. But then I always knew it wasn't my passion. It would be more of law seems okay, you know. I was never interested in medicine ever. It was never in my <laughs> DNA, I'd say. Um, so most of my careers when I was applying for like other options, it was always engineering, engineering, engineering. And then at some point, I'd put like maybe dentistry or pharmacy just to add a little bit of spice. But I knew those were like my, you know, last options. So it was either civil engineering or computer engineering or even industrial. I think I've always wanted to be an engineer from like a young age. So it was an easier choice for me. It's so funny because you said you have no interest and everybody I've recorded over the past couple of days has been like, yeah, so I hate it. I did not want to do medicine. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because it's true. I think a lot of times medicine is shoved at people. And I say that as a doctor and as somebody who went to med school with a lot of people who was just like, oh, okay, I got an A. So here I am. That's yeah. it. I know. It's so sad. And usually yeah. those are the brightest people who can like do aeronautical engineering and like, you know, figure out things to do with physics. But unfortunately, I think we need to change that mindset. But luckily, I think we are slowly with time. I also feel that maybe a big part of the reason why that is is because maybe we didn't have as much exposure because I think, and and again, that's part of the reason I started this. I look at my sister who is just about 17 and because of the internet and because of just the exposure she has, when, when I ask her what she wants, every day it's like a different thing, a completely different thing. It's not the traditional, I want to do law, I want to do medicine. I mean, of course, there was in the beginning because I'm her sister and she's a doctor. But other than that, every day she, she says something new. So 
I think a big part of it is exposure and also parents being able to see that the careers that you think are not, the things you don't know, you don't know how the future will be. So 15 years ago, you telling your parents, oh, I want to do um, computer science or like computer engineering. Oh, like, it was such an interesting conversation. I remember my mom was like, no, you're doing medicine. And I'm like, no. And she's like, why Why are you going all the way to Turkey if you're, going, if you're not going to do medicine, you know? And I think she just finally trusted me. But this whole time, she just thought I was going to be a fundi or computers, you know? So it was an interesting conversation to have with her. <laughs> I think parents are now starting to see that you can't really predict the future. So something that you can't really see into how it's going to benefit people in five years could be booming. I mean, now... Like, there are so many influencers. People make a living off podcasts, you know. Right. Things like that. So, I if you're know. thinking, I told your parents, <laughs> even five or years YouTubers. ago, like, oh, I want to, <laughs> I want to be a YouTuber. Entire life. Someone gets a whole People career where they're a YouTuber. And they get money out of ad sales, and you're like, wow. That's... Not in yeah. Kenya as much, but, like, outside, like, America, for example, or even TikTok. <laughs> I think just the exposure and just seeing how things change over time has been really interesting. I know for me as somebody who's like a new parent, I'm like, okay, it's going to be easier for me to guide my children or let them do whatever they want. Because I'm like, okay, even me, my generation had some time, you know, there's a period where parents were like, my child is just going to <laughs> ruin their lives, going to study, you know, be a fundiwa computers. And now you have a thriving career and I'll Kind of now, now she's very impressed. Now she's very yeah. impressed, especially with the interesting pays for computer engineers. The mm. the market rate is quite good. So whenever she needs like a small project, she just randomly calls me, and she knows because of my career it's possible. So I'd say now she's definitely changed her mind. <laughs> Interestingly, another engineer also said her parents told her medicine, and she was like, "No." Um, I'm just not going to do it. That's not going to work. It's not me. I couldn't do it. That's been really interesting to see. You mentioned that you like to travel. Where do you like to travel? And how do you fix it in with uh, what I assume is a busy schedule? Because I imagine your work as a project manager is super busy. So what I do is, okay, luckily since last year, March uh, 15th, we've had uh, working remotely or working from home, which has been quite, quite good for most people. So we had people who lived in Nairobi simply because they had to go to the office every day. So those people ended up, you know, um, letting go of the apartments, selling the furniture and going back to their hometowns because it was more affordable and they wanted to save on rent. As long as you have good internet, which the companies usually mostly pay for, and you have a good laptop, which again they pay for, you're okay and you can work anywhere from, you know, you could even be somewhere in Malawi or in Hawaii and no one would know. So what I do most of the time is I try to schedule my holidays either between Fridays, Saturday, Sunday, or on Monday. So what I will do is I'll make sure I look at my calendar beforehand and I'll plan it, you know, way in advance. And if I see that I cannot make it with both working remotely in a foreign land and also enjoy the time, I'll take time off. But usually it's very doable because we have flexible hours for example as long as you do your eight hours and you submit your work on time you should be fine so what i do is for example if it's like a local flight or a local travel 
it's usually one hour if you're going somewhere in the coastal areas. So you can travel really early in the morning. So the times I have traveled, like let's say at 6 a.m. And I was, let's say, in Diani at like 7, 7.30. And by the time I've had breakfast, I've relaxed, I've showered. I can actually sit on my desk in the hotel and work, do the necessary meetings, submit the necessary reports, um, do all that's required of me and still have time to explore, let's say, during your lunch break or after work and still feel like, you know, you've multitasked. So I'd say working remotely has been quite conducive for most of us. It'd be very difficult to go back to the office after this. I do know how people are going to handle going back to the office because it's, it's become like a way of life now. Just it's easier and it's cheaper. It's just convenient. It really is. Favorite destination so far? I'm married. So I'd say any place I'm traveling with my husband is my favorite place, but anywhere with the beach or with the water. So I like, I like swimming. I like, um, just, you know, seeing the ocean or the sea. So my favorite place so far that I've ever been to is a very small town in Turkey called Cheshme. And it has the clearest, bluest waters I've ever seen. And it's just picture perfect, honestly. It's so beautiful. If I could, I would live there. I hate to make this admission because every time I make this admission, people come to my throat. I'm not the biggest fan of beaches, but I can I can understand beauty, the beauty in beaches. I'm not it's the biggest fan of water. So maybe maybe you like uh, the forests, hiking. I do. Nice I, I prefer yeah. forests. If I could live like somewhere in Mount Kenya, just just like in an enclosed place, just mm-hmm. nature, that would be like my ideal place. But um, yeah, That's not nice. my favorite. Yeah, I think it's understandable. It's understandable. It's not for everyone. It's for most people. Mm. But for those who don't, they're very stuck on their ways. So I wouldn't Mm. even try to convince you. I'd say, and to each their own. (laughs) Yeah, and you'll see, though, most people, when I say that, come for my truth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's because, yeah, it's because we've been... We've been not brainwashed, but we've been taught that anytime you think of a holiday, you think of just like, you know, somewhere with white sands and like blue waters, you know? Yeah. And like, truly, I think the Kenyan coast is like one of the most beautiful places. I, 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 I appreciate it. I just, it, it's not my ideal place. So yeah, nobody come for me. I love beaches, not as much as everybody else, but I do. I like to ask this question to pretty much everybody. What's a common misconception about your work, um, especially that women have? Because um, your perspective is different as as a woman, I think. So as I mentioned um, a while back, most women don't apply for opportunities or like jobs simply because they feel like they're not qualified enough. So there's that, of course. And we're trying to make sure, you know, we encourage them to apply there's also the fact that everyone thinks that if you work in tech you have to know how to code you have to be a good programmer and you have to be all around nerdy for example which is a very big misconception for example if people were to look at my instagram i'm very fashionable i like to travel i'm very bright and cheery and no one would even think that i'm into tech so there's that whole misconception and also the fact that if you're a girl in tech that you're supposed to wear glasses, a hoodie, and just look, you know, very nerdy. And then they see someone like me with like full makeup and heels and like a pantsuit. 
and I'm just, you know, working, living my life. So it's it's very surprising. But I think that's a, it's not a big misconception, but it's just a funny thing for people whenever you tell them what you do and they kind of adjust their judgment or perception of you. It's funny you said people assume you need to know coding because honestly, it was an assumption I had. I was like, yeah, so everybody, in t- they just know all these coding things and everything. I Like literally the first one was me. That was an assumption I had. So <laughs> interesting yeah. that I hadn't thought about why it. We have someone like me who does the tech talks and I explain and I break down different careers and different paths where I tell mm-hmm. them we have non-tech roles. These are the many types and we have people who already are in those roles. And you can ask them all the questions that you want. So it's it's, it's been a really good eye opener for uh, non techies, for example. It's like a nice mm-hmm. introduction to tech. You should definitely yeah, check definitely, it out. I will definitely check it out. I think it's so interesting that you have that space. I wish more people would have that, just because a lot of times, like you say, I've had my own experience where um, I look like at a, a job advertisement, and I will feel like let's say eighty, seventy to eighty percent of it. And I, I won't apply. And then my husband will look at it and be like, mm, I think I'm overqualified for this job. But I'm like, you have the same qualifications. What do you mean? That's it. That's <laughs> like, exactly it. You have the same qualifications. But it's, it's been really eye-opening to see how men view their qualifications versus women. Sure. Where I feel like I'm not qualified enough. My husband will be like, I actually feel like maybe you're overqualified. Like if you make it, I should ask for three times the salary that they want to pay. <laughs> You're definitely right about that. And I think especially in careers that are tend to be more male-dominated, it's also just gaining the confidence to enter and then, you know... And the best part is, especially for tech, you just need the opportunity to just get in, get your foot in. That's why I tell people, if you are not sure, just start with an internship. Most internship places will either put you... They'll ask you what you're interested in, and if you don't know, they'll try and put you in different departments each week, each month, so that you can learn as much as possible. And that's how you'll end up knowing what you're interested in or what you can do. And surprisingly enough, it has worked for a lot of people. They, I asked them, so how do you get into tech? And they're like, it's very random, but I just got an internship and I've never left since. I've just taken the opportunity and I've run with it. So... I always encourage people to not think about money first, you know, think about the experience for you to reach to a well-seasoned software engineer. You need to put in the effort. You need to put in the work. You need to go out there. You need to learn. You need to be proactive. For example, in your free time, just, you know, go online. There's so many courses that you can look at that are free and affordable. We have W3W schools. Python for Beginners, we have Harvard, we have CS50, we have Khan Academy. I could list them and they're all affordable and they're free. All you just need to do is you put the effort and the time and the patience. And then before you know it, you'll realize that you're getting better and better and people are starting to recognize that as well. So your trajectory career-wise will just be elevated. That's such good advice. Like what you just said, I feel like I'm just going to clip that and put that somewhere. Because I think there is sometimes, I think especially when you're starting out your career or like when you're young, is this need to be perfect immediately and hurry into something and start to, you know, make money immediately or rise up like up the ranks quickly. So 
just what you said, like with patience and practice is definitely something that I need to do more. And I think definitely young people need to do more. As we end, what does the future look like for you? And especially with regard to, I guess, the industry in Kenya. I'll start with the tech industry in Kenya because that's an easy one to answer. I see a really great future. So far, we've seen really big companies coming to have branches here in Nairobi. For example, we have Microsoft that recently opened up. Um, Google will also, you know, follow suit. We have companies like Andela, for example. And they're starting to notice that Kenyans and software engineers in general are really smart. So they're giving them those opportunities. People are investing. Kenyans themselves are also very smart where they're also doing their own startups and they're trying to get funding as well. So overall, I think I'm very, very hopeful for, you know, the future of tech in Kenya. I know it's going to be booming soon and we'll have a lot of tech spaces. The most fascinating thing that I always tell foreigners whenever I travel is we have M-Pesa. It's not a very common thing. It's not a very, um, it's a fascinating thing because for us, all you have to do is have your phone, your SIM card, and sometimes your ID. You don't even need your ID nowadays if you memorize it, you know. And I explain it to, let's say, European, for example, and they'll say, well, that's not necessary because we use credit cards everywhere. And I explain to them, we don't even need credit cards. That means your grandmother somewhere in Ushago somewhere can still use M-Pesa without having to have a credit card, you know? And they're like, ah, okay. Well, I guess we're advanced enough where everyone has credit cards. So it's a difference in perceptions, I'd say. So I'm very excited about, you know, the future of tech in Kenya. Personally, um, as I mentioned, my passion has always been to make sure I reach out to as many girls and I inspire them. So my future is to open a school, a tech school, not just programming, but just basically all types of, you know, roles. I could have a UX, you know, who's teaching girls about design. I could have a Python developer, a Swift uh, developer, basically different opportunities where you can take classes. You know how you have school? This would be a software engineering school, for example, where every morning you have about like three, four classes. And by the time you're in your, let's say, halfway through the program, you kind of know where you're interested in. And we kind of nudge you in that direction. And then at the end of that, we'll probably, because of networks and connections, I'd like to invite many companies so they can come and see the different projects that this girl and boys, of course, is open to both, have done. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation I had with Naima as much as I enjoyed talking to her. I found her to be really inspirational. Uh, remember, you can reach out to her if you would like to pursue tech and you need some assistance. She's very willing to help. I will leave her handle in the show notes. Also, if you would like to be featured or know somebody who would like to be featured, please fill in the form in the show notes as well and I will reach out to you. Follow us on Instagram at Stemming from Africa and on Twitter at Stem from Africa. I hope you have a great weekend. That will be all for this episode of Stemming from Africa. I hope you have a great weekend and I hope to see and hear from you next Friday.